Uh, so, man, our tech team and media guys, thank you. Just honestly, like, we're going to give them a hand. Just about 15 minutes ago, we had no network, no internet, no anything, um, and it was chaos, and we didn't have the projector and the pro presenter, anything. And uh, man, the gang, they just, they just knocked it out. About eight people were working really hard while worship and the most important thing was going on. Uh, so, so thank you. And uh, can we just pray a blessing over them? They're the unsung heroes, the camera operators, the media guys, like the people behind the scenes. So can we just pray for them? We, we want to make sure like we're blessing people, even those who aren't on the stage in the forefront. So, so Lord, we just thank you for the tech team. We thank you for the media. We thank you for the sound engineers, the, the media specialists, the camera operators, and anything in between. Lord, we thank you for those who, who do it in the secret place. We thank you for those who serve when no one knows. We thank you for those heroes, and we just bless them, and we thank you for them. Let you bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. There's so much that goes into um, making Sundays happen, and most people don't have any idea uh, what that looks like. So just to make sure we recognize them, the Sunday school teachers, the, the people behind the scenes that are just making everything work. So it's, it makes everything just work here so that the kingdom can advance. We can come, right, as a family, worship the Lord, usher in his presence, minister to him, grow, and, uh, and really be able to just be filled up when we go. So anyway, it's, it's awesome. Hey, today's a special day, but it has been a very chaotic week, has it not? It's a lot going on, and I, I just want to address a few things, and we're going to get into some stuff, and then we're going to launch a new ministry today and, and commission them and bless them and, and uh, just what all they've invested in, and we can't wait for the future of what that looks like. Um, but man, there has been a lot in the media. There's been a lot of uncertainty. There's been a lot of emotions again. And, and I'll be honest, as I went through the week, and as I began to just pray into yesterday and, and last night and this morning into today, I realized that there is a divisive spirit again. And, and I recall this as, as a lot of the campaigns were kicking, up, kicking off before the election with the mask and the, the pandemic perspectives and, and the, um, the racial tensions and all of this. It feels like the enemy literally is still on assignment to divide our nation and to divide his believers and his sons and daughters. And, and I just love to say, like, that is not what the body of Christ is about. We are not to be divided regardless of where you stand, what opinion you have, what perspective. Because I'll just be honest with you, there is a lot going on right now. And, and we would have thought, well, 2020 was over and it feels like it's just worse now. Listen, it's not. We didn't expect all this just to go away overnight. We didn't expect the pandemic just to disappear because we entered into a new calendar year. We didn't expect all of our problems to go away. But I just recall last week, like, sitting on the, on the floor here and just saying... talking about Elijah and as we tune into the spirit realm of what the Lord's doing it's way more important than what the natural's doing and I just remember when when I was saying like strike the ground and he says if you would have struck it five or six times you had you would have overcome Syria but they stopped at three now's not the time to stop pressing into the spirit and what the Lord is saying 
You know, it's not time to just, to just give up and, and in our passions and in our perspectives and in our free speech. I get it. But it's certainly not the time to give up in the spirit realm. To say, Lord, what are you doing in this narrative? What are you saying in this season? What are you directing me to do, to think, to, think, to feel, to believe? Like, what are you? Because let me just tell you, regardless of what happens in the world, in our nation, in politics, Jesus is still on the throne and he is still ruling and reigning and his authority is ultimate. Some of you may be discouraged. Some of you may be frustrated with injustices. Some of you may be just ready to give up and never vote again or all of these things that, are, that turmoil is happening. Listen, that is never what the Lord is saying to do. He is not saying give up. He's saying tune into me and hear what I'm saying. He's saying, listen, I'll bring you peace. I'll bring you comfort. I'll bring you reassurance. And don't forget that the Bible says that God is loving and just. One of my biggest frustrations are seeing the injustices of perversion and corruption and darkness and sin. Let me just remind you that God is just and his justice rules. So if you're getting frustrated right now, don't give up. Just focus on the right things. Focus on Jesus. And that brings me to where we're going to kick off. I want to remind you, we are in a 21-day fast. And, and really, there is a particular focus for our fast. It's open, it's corporate, um, and, and just so you know, if you don't know what fasting is, it's typically in the Bible referenced as giving up food, fasting for a certain amount of days, maybe only water, but it can be something creative, it can be giving up sugar for this season, it can be, you know, giving up alcohol or a bad habit, it can be giving up social media or watching news, which may be a really wonderful idea right now. But the difference between a fast and a diet is you replace it with something righteous, something godly, some God time. So if you're, say you're giving up lunches at work all for this 21 days, well, you replace that hour with worship, prayer, or word. You replace it. Otherwise, it's a glorified diet. Replace it with something godly. Or, or I told my kids, one of them was um, struggling. And she's like, it's so hard. One of them gave up sugar. She's like, it's so hard, Daddy. I said, every time you think it's so hard, just picture Jesus on the cross and thank him for this and grow, grow closer to him. So whatever it is, whatever it is you give up, we just invite you to join on today, and um, we will break this fast. I think it's around the 24th. Does that sound right? That Sunday, whatever that Sunday date is. Uh, and we'll have a, a fun thing. But I want the focus to be this. Don't forget this verse, Isaiah 58, 6. This is our verse, and it could be personal. This is also corporate, but I believe it's also for our nation and our world right now that is in a very significant turmoil, chaos, crisis. It says this, Is this not the kind of fast I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? I believe this is a fast that we are choosing in our own homes, in our marriages, in our relationships, and in decisions that lay ahead of us, that we are freeing the oppressed, that captives will be set free. One version says that chains will fall off, that we may be free. Amen? So join us on this fast. I want to go to Proverbs 15, and I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation. Um, thankfully, you'll have it up here, I hope. Um, 20 minutes ago, you would not have had it on the screen, or if you're watching at home, on the screen at home, but you do today. So whether you have a physical Bible or um, version or something on a tablet or, or your phone, I guess you, it would be a little odd if you all brought tablets in today, but maybe your phone would be a better option. Passion Translation, a uh, beautiful poetic version of the Bible. Brian Simmons uh, is just very amazing. Uh, so anyway, we were reading this scripture yesterday as a family um, in our dining room. And we were just, we were talking to the girls about a lot that's going on right now, and deception, and just, just different things that are happening in, in our culture at the moment. 
And, and Nicole pulled out this, the, the Bible, and she just opened up. I, I don't know if it was random or if she had, like, an idea, but broke out Proverbs 15 here. And I want to read the first 12 verses, and it ties in uh, to what we're going to be really pursuing and communicating today of discipleship. All right? So Proverbs 15 says this. Respond gently. I'm going to read the whole thing, by the way. So enjoy. Respond gently when you are confronted, and you'll diffuse the rage of another. Responding with sharp, cutting words will only make it worse. Don't you know that being angry can ruin the testimony of even the wisest man? I'm encouraging us to love even in differences. I'm encouraging us to love God's sons and daughters even if they don't yet know their sons and daughters. I'm encouraging us to pursue unity over being right. Amen? Verse 2, when wisdom speaks, understanding becomes attractive. But the words of the fool make their ignorance look laughable. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, and he takes note of everything that happens. He watches over his lovers, and he also sees the wickedness of the wicked. When you speak healing words, you offer others fruit from the tree of life. But unhealthy negative words do nothing but crush their hopes. You're stupid to mock. Now, we don't say stupid in our house. Like, that's a no-go word on us. Like, we don't say dumb, stupid, um, fart, crap, butt. Like, those are words that we don't say in our home. Those are cuss words to Nicole, so, uh, but it's interesting that uh, when we came across the word stupid, the kids are like, <gasps> so anyway, sometimes the, the word's true, right? Like sometimes the word just cuts, the, the word of God. So anyway, it says, you're stupid to mock the instruction of a father. Now this was a great teaching point for us yesterday. And it goes in, this is a focus of today, all right? So just remember this verse, tuck it away as we pursue talking about discipleship. It says, you're stupid to mock the instruction of a father, but welcoming correction will make you brilliant. There is power in the house of the righteous, but the house of the wicked is filled with trouble no matter how much money they have. When wisdom speaks, revelation knowledge is released, but finding true wisdom in the word of the fool is futile. It is despicable to the Lord when people use the worship of the Almighty God as a cloak for their sin, but every prayer of his godly lovers is pleasing to his heart. The Lord detests the lifestyle of the wicked, but he loves those who pursue purity. Severe punishment awaits the one who turns away from the truth, and those who rebel against correction will die. That's harsh. Those who rebel against correction will die. It says, And even hell itself holds no secrets from the Lord God, for all is exposed before his eyes, and so much more to the heart of every human being. The know-it-all never esteems the one who tries to correct him. He refuses to seek good advice from the wise. That, let me just tell you, if you need direction or wisdom or, or counsel in this season, go to Proverbs. It's just some advice for me right now. If you don't know what to think, if you don't know how to act, if you don't know like how to pursue strategy or vision for your business or your life or your home this year, just go to Proverbs. Pick one a day. It'll take you through about the whole month. This is good counsel, good advice. So then the next section, I'm not going to go there just for the sake of time. The next section is so good, and it's really focusing on worship, family, and sonship. And it's talking about how important it is to worship and how important it is um, to, to make sure we serve our family and how important it is as sons and daughters to really heed the advice and counsel of fathers. And that goes in good with what we're going to do today because we're going to talk about discipleship. And we're going to talk about like the, the idea of sonship and, and, and being fathers and, and mothers but also being sons and daughters. How many believe in this room that everybody needs discipleship? All of us. How many also believe that then we're all called as believers to disciple others? Amen. We are. So let me go to the key verse for this, for this week. Matthew 28. And we're going to start at verse 16. 
and focus on the first two verses, 16 and 17, and then go through 18 and 20 near the, uh, near the end here. So it, I'm only going to be about another uh, hour and a half. So we'll make sure we get you out of here by 1 o'clock. We have a meeting. There's a leader training uh, and some other things. So anyway, Matthew 28 says this, and I'm just going to stop in the first two verses. Actually, I'll read it all for now. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. How many know that not everybody's going to be with you running beside you at the end? There was 12 disciples if you didn't know that, but only 11 made it to this point. There was, there was, a, there was a backstabber, right? Everybody know that. Who was it? Judas. So not everybody that you're running with now, not everybody you're looking around now will run with you in the same place at the same way to the end. All right, we, we just know that. And it becomes hurtful, it's, it's hard, but it's, it's just part of the kingdom, all right? So anyway, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Here's the first focus, all right? I preach this message um, many times, going out, speaking to other places, drink and leak. In order for us to leak, we have to drink, all right? It's, it's in that prayer, in that prayer where we say, let my cup runneth over, right? The only way we can leak and run over is if we're filled up. It's not just spill out or, or seep out. No, it's, it's actually overflow. So we drink. We drink in God's presence. We drink in discipleship. We drink in growing close to the Lord, getting filled up with him, his spirit, so that we can leak and, 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 and overflow out to others. So it says this, and when they saw him, they worshiped. I, I think that's really important that we first have to have alignment before we have the assignment. And, and that's where I'm going to really kind of start, and then I'll finish on the, the leaking and the, and the assignment part here in a little bit on discipleship. But we first have to have alignment and worship before we can be sent out to go. Our, our new slogan is worship, grow, go. All right? In order for us to go, we have to go out from a place of being filled. Otherwise, we're going to burn out and not burn bright. We're, we're going to fall short. We're going to go within our own ability and our own inabilities rather than his ability. So we worship, we get filled out, and then we're sent and commissioned to go. And in that process, from the moment of encounter to believing and all that to the going, there's this growing. There's this seed that's taking place. There's this growth in us that takes place that, that we are now followers of Christ, and now we want to lead other followers to be stronger in Christ and be followers of Christ. So it says this, they, it says they, they worshiped him. And then it says some doubted. How many know along the journey, sometimes we doubt? Sometimes our faith is, is, is trouble. Sometimes we're tempted. That, that's okay. You know what's funny is Jesus doesn't address that. He just shows up and starts speaking. Because when the truth is spoken, the lies don't matter. A lot of times we want to get caught up in believing the lies of the Lord, the lies of ourselves. Like you're not worthy, you're not good enough, all these things. But it, what matters is what the Lord is saying. What the matters is what the Lord is saying in this season, in this moment of history, in this narrative. It's, what matters is what he's saying. So I, I want to just talk about that. It's, it's not just about instruction. And I want to talk about discipleship as a relational component of encouraging one another, holding each other accountable, and pouring into one another to make each other stronger to grow in Christ. We can't do it if we're empty. The Bible says, freely I receive, freely I give. I can't give away something that I don't have. And if I'm going to give the love of Jesus out, I need to have the love of Jesus. If I want to give the joy and the hope of Jesus out, I've got to actually experience the hope and the joy and the love of Jesus. It's this thing to where we are carriers, we are conduits, we are vessels for the Lord Almighty, right? Oh, man, it's so good. And then he puts us on assignment, and each of us have a different one to hit the target God's called us to hit. 
And it's this beautiful process. It's not just about the destination. It's about the process. It's not just about the end result. It's how do we get there? And it's this, this glory-filled life and lifestyle and, and this, this adventure with the Lord. I want to be married to my wife till one of us or both of us die. Okay? But I don't want to just get to the death. I want to have some fun in the process till I get to the destination, right? Before I get my upgrade, I want to have some fun on the earth. I want to experience life. I want to travel. I want to grow close to her, learn funny new things about her, right? It's the same thing with the Lord. We each have this destination. We each have this dash that's on our tombstone. And what does that represent in each of our lives? What is that legacy? It's not just for me to get filled up and be locked up in a church. At the same time, I can't go without being filled up. It's this thing that's so cyclical in a good way to where we're getting filled up, we're leading others. We're getting filled up, we're pouring out. We're getting filled up and we're leaking out and overflowing. Let, let, me, let me move on here. It's about an encounter. It's not just about instruction. It's about an experience. I don't want to just know about God. I want to know God. I don't want to just hear about God. I want to know Him. I... Let me just be really honest with you, just really briefly here, share just a brief part of my story. The bi people, when I was an unbeliever, uh, when I had strayed away from the Lord and, and decided to pursue my own thing and became basically a convinced myself to be an agnostic or atheist, I began to just not believe anything this said. And people would quote scripture to me. I was like, means nothing to me because I don't believe the God that wrote it. Let me just say this. It is not the infallible, absolute truth if I don't believe in the author. It's something we have to lead people into a relationship and experience a life into Jesus before the word comes alive. Now, now there are stories, and I will say, this is so powerful that this will come alive and lead people to Christ. So I don't want to diminish that. I have a friend, Stephen Bell. He was in a hotel, so unsaved. He had just crazy demonic things going on was I believe he grew up in Seattle or Portland and he's in that area and, and he's dabbling into witchcraft he goes to a hotel opens up his bible enters into this one of the Gideon bibles that are in that room and has this crazy encounter with the Lord and gives his heart to Jesus right there so I don't want to diminish that but what I'm saying is to an unbeliever this is a good book typically to an unbeliever this was great poetic book great probably historic it's great I want to know the author. I don't want to just know the word of God. I want to know the God of the word too. Most of all, I want to know the God of the word so the word of God comes alive in me and I can just portray it to others. Amen? Let, let, me, let me keep going. Acts 4.13 says it like this. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. It says they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. There's this powerful thing that I love education, I love training, I, be, I do believe we need to become experts in the word because this is life. This is, this is good. As we become uh, strengthened and grow in the Lord, I want to know him. And there's so much in here about him. Amen? So I, I want to have not just be an expert in this, I want to grow in a hunger for this, a passion where it comes alive. This is great. Once you're a believer and you read the Bible and you read these crazy stories, it's like, oh, a chariot of fire? This is insane. 
You start reading these crazy encounters that people had, and I don't know about you, but that becomes this radical invitation for me to experience the same thing because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And let me just tell you, I take it as if Peter walked on water, that's an invitation for me to walk on water. If they raise the dead, I get to raise the dead. If they prayed and saw healing, I, I, I get to do that. But sometimes you don't know this invitation until you actually read it. So, but here's the deal. It says that Peter and John weren't extraordinary men. They weren't scholars. If, if you go to the depth of that, they were not experts in the law, but you could tell they had been with Jesus. Something in their life had changed. If we look at all these people that experienced God's presence, and we look at some of them, and, and we look at like Moses who went up to Mount Sinai and had this crazy encounter with the Lord, his face was never the same. Let me just tell you, when you encounter the presence and the goodness and the power and the fire of God and his Holy Spirit, you will never be the same. You won't even look the same. I literally have people that went to high school with me that do not recognize me, that say, that cannot be the same person. Yeah, I'm not the same person. You're right. That, that, that man's dead, and now I'm a new creature in Christ. So yeah, I'm slightly different. Actually, quite a bit different. It's amazing. So, so as we read on here, even um, let's, let's focus on John just for a moment, then we're getting into discipleship. John got it. John went being a disciple of thunder to the man after God's heart, to the man that was John the beloved. He went from disciple of thunder, son of thunder, to, to beloved of God. He went into this thing, and God even gave him this, this love gift, this open vision of heaven that we know as Revelation, the book of Revelation. So if we look at John, John, the one whom Jesus loved, crawled up on Jesus' lap and leaning his ear on the chest of Jesus. Peter's asking the questions, but what's John doing? He's crawling up into the bosom of Jesus and listening for the answers. It's this intimate place, intimacy, into me see, intimacy with the Lord. And if we go back to Deuteronomy 33, 12, it says it like this. Your blessing is to dwell between the shoulders of God. He who dwells gets the secrets of heaven. I want to dwell. I want to be in that intimate place. I want to get filled up. I want to experience the Lord so that I can give it to others. That's discipleship in a relational model. Psalms 91.1 says this, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. If you think about that, Peter was so full of God's presence, so full of his spirit. Literally, when he went into rooms, people were healed in his shadow. Those who dwell in the secret place with the Lord get to have the shadow of the Almighty. Isn't that crazy? Like, I just walked by somebody in this shadow, somebody's healed. So full of Jesus, radical things just happen around me. That's leaking. That's pouring out. That's giving of something you've received. Now let me, let me move on to, to Matthew 28, 16 through 20. I actually said I was going to read the whole thing earlier, and I didn't. It's totally stopped, so we'll just read the rest of it now. Here's the key verse for today and discipleship and our assignment. The alignment is the intimacy. The alignment is, is us knowing the Lord, us coming into that relationship. That's the alignment. Sonship, daughtership, coming in, submitting ourselves as sons and daughters, and we get to worship the Almighty and get filled up with Him, right? That's alignment, the heavenly alignment. Now we get assignment. This is a commissioning. And it says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples in every nation baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to deserve all things that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of age. I want to point out a few things before I call Steve Justice up and, and the team to commission them. But I want to point out a few things, and Steve and I collaborated, and he sent me his notes on the purpose of his ministry. The purpose of, of the ministry that he's leading is called Thrive Discipleship Ministry, or Thrive. And it's all about thriving, not just surviving. It's about thriving and growing in the Lord, growing in his word, growing in, 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 in the faith and the Lord's beliefs and who we are and who he is, right? So it's to thrive in that, not just survive. And there's a few key points here that I want to point out in the Great Commission. One thing is, his last words should be some of our first priority. God, Jesus is showing back up, and some of his last words on earth should be some of our greatest priority, some of our greatest focus. It's, it's a commissioning. It's, it's a continual assignment. He's giving this not as a means of an end, but a means to a way, right? This is, this is a lifestyle. Go. Go, make disciples. In our going, we get to make disciples. He's not so, go, go change yourself, go change occupations now because you're going to go disciple. No, if you're a cop, now as being a cop, you're going to make disciples while being a cop. To the cops around you, to the people you serve, to your community, and even to the people you arrest. Just or unjust. Like, we get to make disciples. We get to show the love of Jesus. And, and let, me just, let me just explain. I believe we're all called to disciple and we're all called to be discipled. Let, let me explain that a little bit. It's like the five offices. Everybody can evangelize. Everybody can share the love, the gospel, the salvation plan, the good news with people around them and evangelize in various ways. Okay? Then there are those who are called to be evangelists, those who have a gifting, an anointing, a calling to be evangelists. And then there's those that are called to be in the office of evangelism. Okay, let, let me explain that a little bit. It's almost like, like son, dad, grandpa. There's some, and, and the difference between some of the ones that just everybody do it to then those who teach doing it and those who teach others to teach others to do it. I know that gets confusing. What I'm saying is we are all called to disciple on, on a level. We're all called to make disciples. We're all called to lead people to, to the understanding of Jesus, the salvation plan, baptism, and overcoming life, life abundantly, amen? But not all of us are called to disciple people one-on-one. -on -one. And not all of us are called to lead a discipleship team to teach all the disciples how to, to lead others, okay? So that's what we have here. We have, I'm commissioning all of us to make disciples to those around us. Because let me just tell you this, you're doing it whether you know it or not. People are watching you. They know you go to church. They know you're one of those Bible thumpers. They know you're a believer. They know these things. L listen. We do Selfie Sunday every once in a while. They know where you go. And let me just tell you this, and if hopefully you're professing that you're a Christian or that, that you're seeing change in your life, and hopefully they're seeing it in a really good, positive way. But here's the deal. Some of us may not be doing that. How do you respond at work? How do you handle emotion at work? Do you gossip and do you hang out at the, at the break room and sharing all the dirty jokes? Or are you a light? The Bible says that, that although a small member of your mouth, your tongue can create a forest fire. How many know that some forest fires are really good and some are really devastating and destructive and not wanted? It's the same thing. The Bible says that our words are life or death. Our influence is happening whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not, whether we agree with it or not. It is happening. We have influence and we are discipling those around us whether we, have, whether we know that or not. 
either in a good way or a bad way. Let me just say this. I am teaching my girls how to be lovers of Jesus. In my conscious and in my unconscious. How I live, how I worship. Are they seeing me with my Bible open? Are they seeing me pray? How are they seeing, how are they seeing me handle the situation? Or discipline? Or frustration? Or disagreement with that person? Or what are they hearing around the dinner table about Nicole and I and how we talk about the church? How we portray that? Oh, it's a duty. Gotta go to church again. Ah, oh, can't believe it's Sunday already. And we get there, no one even straightened up the chairs. This is not us. Okay? But we know people who do it, and then we hear them, their kids say, Oh, I had to do this at the church, and how to go? Because no one else is going to do it. Let me just say, you are planting seeds everywhere you go, whether you know it or not. I want my kids to know that, man, this is Sunday. We get to come with a body of believers to worship Jesus. We get to grow in the Lord together. We get to be imparted to and encouraged this day. We get to, to maybe hold somebody accountable and love them. Let me just remind you, accountability isn't correction, it's love. Although sometimes correction is involved, it's love. Let, let, me, let me finish here. Making disciples of all nations. This is all Jews and Gentiles, everyone. Uh, Steve, how do you say the word? Mathusate? Okay, there it is. <laughs> Making pupils, apprentices, students, and it's an ongoing learning activity. Discipleship is an ongoing thing, just like our walk with the Lord. It is ongoing. It's an infilling, not a one-time deal. Baptizing. It's a believer's baptism. It's adopted from John's uh, baptism, and it's a sign of the initiation of a Christian in the community. It's this public uh, confession. It's this public uh, acknowledgement. We had baptisms a few weeks ago, and that was awesome. Seeing people come out of the water so free, publicly confessing in this way to say, I'm not ashamed. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. <laughs> Teaching. Previously, Jesus was the teacher. Now he's commissioning them to be the teachers. We eventually have to, have to not, we have to continue to be sons and daughters, but eventually, eventually there's a mandate on our lives as believers to also be fathers and mothers. Let me just tell you this, the greatest leaders are, were the greatest followers. You can't be a dad or a mom unless you were a child once. So don't forget that when kids around you are annoying you at that restaurant or that thing or that music they're listening to. Remember, you were once a kid too. And the greatest parents are typically those who something clicks and there's some shift to where they appreciate their parents. Whether they were good or bad, there's an appreciation for what they knew. We're held accountable for what we know. Let me move on here. Observing all that I've commanded you. It says that. It says, observe all that I've commanded you. Now, let me just summarize this really briefly. It's, there's a reference to the Old Testament of the commandments, you know, especially brought down by Moses. I find it interesting how we diminish the New Testament commandments, but we hold on to the Old Testament commandments. Those are the ones on the court steps. Those are the ones we reference often. Those are the ones that, like, oh, those are it. We've got to follow those. I can't steal. I can't covet my neighbor's wife. I can't be, you know, all these things, right? What about the new covenant commandments? That is the same level of a passionate word to do this. One of them was love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love for your neighbor as yourself. Another commandment given here is Jesus' last assignment was, now go make disciples in everywhere you go. It's amazing how we put all that emphasis on the Old Testament commandments, and then we're like, eh, that feels a little uncomfortable. How do I do that? Just do it. I love Heidi Baker. She says, you want to change the entire world, love the one in front of you. 
It's not complicated. The gospel's not complicated. The assignment's not complicated. The alignment's fun. The alignment, man, we just get to soak in God's glory and minister to him and just tell him how good he is. That's the alignment. And then he fills us up, and it's this beautiful thing to where now the assignment becomes a pleasure, not a pressure. I know, there's a lot. And then the last thing, it says, I am with you to the end of age. This is a promise saying, don't do this with your own ability or inability. Let me be with you. Because let me just be honest with you, we're not going to effectively do it if his presence isn't with us and he's not with us to the end of time. Than what he's calling us to do. There's things we could do, things we should do, and then there's things we're each called to do. And I want to get into that zone to where my alignment, and I'm so clear with the Lord, and I hear his voice, that I know that I'm doing what I'm called to do, not just what I could do or should do. We all have to do those at times. We should take care of the poor and feed the hungry and, and make sure that uh, we, we meet those needs, and we referenced that a few weeks ago. But we're also called to something. And being called to something means only you can do what you're called to do. I can't base my encounter off of somebody else's encounter. My kids need their own encounter. They need their own history with the Lord. They need their own wells that they dig with the Lord. And then when something comes hard, they're not dwelling off of my well. They're dwelling from their own well and history with the Lord. It's the same way. I can only fulfill my calling. Let, let, me, let me move on. And let, Actually, let me, let me close. First closing. This is what happens when I forgot to set my timer. There was like a sticky thing up here on the table. I was like, I'll just cover that, and I forgot to set my timer. I, I just want to repeat, all, I had this note in here, all in all, we're all called to disciple, we're all called to be disciples. And, and, and a reference that we could use is, Paul says to Timothy, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. We're all in this thing together. We're all here to encourage and to love one another and disciple one another. But ultimately, we follow the Lord, and then if we're following the Lord, I think it's inevitable that somebody's going to want to follow us. Let me just say this. You're not a leader unless you have a following. Many of us, we want to be leaders, and we want to throw that crap on Facebook, but you're really not a, a leader until you have followers. And let me just say this. Followers only care uh, how much you care. They don't care what you know. They only care how much you, you love them. There's a saying. I think I'm messing it all up. That's it. That's the one. Sorry, live stream, you didn't catch that, but you know what I'm saying. Here's the deal. We have to be full of passion and the love of Jesus. Otherwise, we're just leading people aimlessly and pointlessly. There was one other thing I was going to say. Yeah, two more things. 2021. Maybe four more things. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. It is getting relate. But I, I, was, I was preaching so short, the kids were like, Dad, we're not getting any time in class. So I was like, okay, I got to go at least 25 minutes so they can get some time in class. But over 40, that just gets boring. So I found that sweet spot to be 33 minutes and 27 seconds. <laughs> you know I don't care or know that. <laughs> at any rate, here's the deal. We, we talked about 2021. Anybody see the meme? It was like, like, anybody realize how that's really said? 2020 and then one, like W-O-N. <laughs> You're like, oh. So anyway, it, we have entered this new year, and we have this new passion, this new vision, all right? And, and one of those things is the worship, grow, go. 
And, and we want to make sure that at Upper Room that we're creating this place that's very healthy for all of us to grow so that you can fulfill your calling, so you can hit your mark, so you can be launched, and as you're being launched, you're actually filled with his glory, filled with his presence, like on assignment, right? On assignment with the king here. So, so at the same time, we realize like we are not good at systems. We're not good at processes. We are improving that. There's people coming in alignment with us and into the family here and making it home to help us. And, and one of those things is Steve. Like Steve has this passion for discipleship, a passion for the word, a passion for people to grow in the Lord. And he's like, Aaron, we, I would love to initiate or do something for discipleship. And let me just say, I'm very slow and at times scared to introduce new things. And I also want to make sure I know the people, know their heart. So at times, like me dragging my feet is like, okay, are you all in? Because I've had this before. I've had people say they're all in before, and then they flake out. So I didn't do that with Steve. I knew right away his motives and his heart was pure. But this has been like a two- to three-year process. And I remember even we had a senior advisory, uh, or, or like it would be more like an elders meeting for here, us. We call them senior advisors. And we had this meeting, and we're going back and forth about the importance of discipleship and what is it. Is it more in a coffee shop or a home, or is it more in a Bible study? And it's not this either or, it's and both. And that's the thing. So, so we have to realize that, like, this is not just about a Bible study. Discipleship is just not about meeting in a room with a group of people, and you grow in the Word, and somebody teaches you. And that's it. That, that is not the only discipleship. It's also not just hanging out and going fishing all the time with no Word, no depth, no, no, no intimate conversations. But it's both. It's a mix. It's everything from both those realms. It's, it's relational. I, I, I forgot. My, de my definition of discipleship would be, discipleship is the relational connection that brings others as closer followers of Jesus. That would be my definition. It's a relational connection that helps lead others to be closer followers of Jesus. Something to that realm. Now, now here's the thing. We challenged you, and I'm going to talk more about this next week, the two-in-one. So 2021, we challenge you to love two people a month. Do some type of random act or intentional act of kindness to reach two people a month. And then disciple one. Now, I want to I challenge you. Like, it doesn't mean you have to lead them through a Bible study. Just do something. Bring them to church. There. Boom. That's discipleship. Get them connected to somebody who can do it better than you. E either way, do something to go deeper with somebody. So that's kind of the thing. But I want to let you know there is fruit in discipleship. There is fruit Specifically, the Bible says that we, we are known by our fruit, right? And it says this. It says, by the love you show one to another, they will know that you're my disciples. I just have this belief that if you encounter the Lord and you are transformed in his nature and his presence and created in his image, you're going to look different, sound different, feel different, and there's going to be fruit in your life. And part of that is a life of discipleship to others and in yourself. And appreciating correction, appreciating being fathered, appreciating being mentored and loved and encouraged, right? So we have this ministry now, and this is really an, an on-ramp to new believers and those who are early in their faith and maybe beyond. We're open to this. Now, we, we kind of talked this week. We had a meeting, and we're like, it's called Thrive. And basically, this is a one-on-one -on -one discipleship program, men with men, women with women. And we have sign-ups out there. Steve's going to fill in any gaps that I missed, and he's going to talk just briefly about this discipleship ministry and how you can get connected. Maybe you need to meet one-on-one. -on -one. Maybe you need special attention. Maybe you need to grow in the Word. Maybe you don't understand some of this stuff. Maybe you don't even understand, like, why Christianity? Why? Why did Jesus have to come? These basic principles and steps to grow us in our faith and the Word and our relationship with Jesus most of all. So if you want that, we have sign-ups, and I'm going to call Steve up, and then what we're going to do as a church, there's, I believe, nine, is that accurate, Steve? Nine. 
eight people that we're going to just call up here and we're going to stretch our hands out to them we're going to lay hands on them and the bible says talk to reference paul a lot he'd lay hands on and send people or commission them Uh, so steve come on up